0: I, the, the whole impetus of the Intentional Encourager podcast is to tell inspiring stories of incredible people. I have just one of those stories for you today. You are going to want to listen to every minute of, not because I'm the host of this thing, but because I have an incredible guest. She is a recruiter, a sourcer, a business developer, staffing consultant, HR and talent influencer. Um, She has her own company, DB Consulting, and right now, though, she's going to put that aside so that she can talk to me, and I have no idea why she would want to do that, but she's gracious enough to do that. Debbie Bubis joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. You can find her on LinkedIn at Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Bubis, but right now, as I mentioned, she's on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hi, Debbie. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I am great. I always have an affinity for for ladies named Debbie because my mom's name is Debbie. So, you know, but my mom, uh, my mom probably isn't listening to the podcast. So I need to get my mom starting to listen to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Debbie, I reached out to you because I saw a post on LinkedIn that was just it blew me away, and. When, when, when I see posts that move me, I have to respond. And so I reached out to you, but I want to start here before we get into your story. I want to start here with you this morning. As a recruiter and, and someone in the talent world and talent acquisition world, if I could talk, it'd be better, but the talent acquisition world, there are so many people right now that have never walked in places that they're walking before in the midst of COVID-19 which we're recording right now there have been there are people that are being displaced furloughed what have you whatever word you want to use for the first time in their careers when someone reaches out to you and says debbie i'm in a place i've never been before in my career because of this situation what's the first thing that jumps to mind and what do you normally do with that person to kind of help them kind of understand where they are in this process?
1: I think that the most important thing as a recruiter is to keep in mind to be empathetic and compassionate not just during COVID but all of the time we never know what's going on behind a telephone or behind a zoom screen or even when we have someone that's in front of us in, in a face-to-face interview There are so many people that when they are out of work are going through financial crises or they have someone in their family that's dealing with a health issue, or some of them are going through a divorce or have some other issue in their family. And life goes on. Even when you're out of work, it's important to go and to remember that and to be cognizant of it and just be kind and compassionate and supportive of, of candidates.
0: You know, something, I'm glad you said that because. When I faced it about three years ago, I was out of work for about six months. I look back and I say, there are two things that I really learned in that time. The first thing was I missed an opportunity to really take care of my body and take care of myself because of the first time I had time to do that. And I, I missed that opportunity to 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 maybe lose some weight, get get myself healthy and fit. The second thing that I that I wish I had done differently was I wish I would have attacked every day with a mindset instead of having instead of feeling like I was in constant panic mode because things weren't happening. And and that's really for me if I could go back and kind of kick myself in the tail. First of all, if I could develop a time machine, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I would <laughs> I would I would have untold riches and probably have partnered with Elon Musk by now. But 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 if but Debbie if I could go back and really if I could coach myself those are the two things that I would have done differently. Do you find that when people are displaced like that that there are those missed opportunities that they go back and they go ah you know god I wish I had done things differently. When you work with someone let me let me ask the question this way. When you work with someone they're in that situation, they get placed, do they come back to you and say, boy, I wish I'd done something differently? How important is mindset during a displacement? I think
1: Mindset
0: is crucial. I come from the,
1: the place of, I have been in and out of work for the past five years, not because of things that I can control over, but because of things that I haven't. And one of the Things that I kind of keep close to my heart is the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. There are things that. Oh, and that to make our lives better. And then there are things that we don't have control over that we need to go and we need to accept and realize that it's part of life and work through. And mm-hmm. as a job seeker, it's something that I think doesn't always come innately. It's something that goes and comes over time. I think a lot of what helps is just talking to other connections that are going through the same thing and realizing, hey, it's not just me and having a really good support
0: group. You know, that is so important to, to, to hit on because I, I think you're 100% right. Because when I went through mine. I had people around me. My wife was ultra supportive. My pastor, my my mom, my my mother-in-law, my my family, was really supportive, and they were they were more hopeful about me at times than I was hopeful about me. Because I I could only see the uh, dear sir, thank you for applying, but unfortunately we've we've they weren't seeing the emails I was seeing, and and they weren't seeing the things that I was facing. But I think that support is so important, Debbie. You're 100% right. So how do you go about asking for that support? Because some people, it's really hard to say, I am struggling with this. I need help with this. And, and I hate to go here, but, but it's it's akin to it being too late when someone ends up taking their own life and people go, Well, if they'd only reached out, but some people really don't know how to ask for help or ask for that support. What are some of the best things that people can do if they're feeling like they're facing like this is a hopeless situation? How's the best way for folks to go and ask for that help, ask for that support that they need?
1: For me personally, it was going on LinkedIn and telling my story and finding a connection with other people who may have gone through something similar in their life and having conversations with them. I think just having a connection where you have a similarity in your life. Hey, I've been out of work. Hey, I have a chronic condition. Um, I'm a parent, you're a parent too. Um, I'm going through financial things, so are you. It, it helps to know that you are not alone. And just having those conversations with those individuals, it, it's a way to go and, and to kind of escape and, and disconnect from what you're going through and just have a, more of a focus and more of a mindset. Um, I think sometimes we just need to have people who just, Say, hey, yeah, I, I know you're going through a lot of in your life, so am I, but we need to kind of think about what's important here. You, hmm. You're still living, you're still breathing. Tomorrow is a new day. Today might be tough, but tomorrow might just be that day where an offer letter comes across the table, and how is that going to go and feel? What about yeah. the end?
0: yeah. That, and, and you're 100% right about that. Because I remember for me, I had two offer letters in the same day within three hours of each other after six months. And it was like, oh my word, this is unbelievable. And for the first time in six months, my wife and I kind of felt like, oh, wow, our life is going to change again, but it's going to, to change for the better. And, and you're exactly right. I think if anything, Debbie, what 2020 is going to teach us is the power of, of conversations, to your point, but conversations like you and I are having where we can see each other. we can, I can see your facial expression. You can see my facial expression. And, and it's these conversations that even though we're hundreds of miles apart, we're in the same room right you and I are in the same room over a video call because we're we're together and we see each other and we can we I can see if you're if you have pain on your face or if I have pain on my face that you can go hey Brian tell me a little bit more talk to me a little bit more I can say the same thing to you Debbie tell me a little bit more talk to me a little more I think what 2020 is going to teach us is that we're not going to be afraid anymore to, to reach out and touch someone and either call them or video call them or, or doing Zoom like we're recording this podcast today. I think it's going to change a lot of things. I, I love what you said there about the power of the conversation.
1: I just think that it's so important. People need to be listened to. They're going through so much Right now, I have seen videos come across my feed of people that are just desperate for work, people that have been out of work for months and sometimes years because they started their job search at the end of 2019, and then 2020 hit, and hey, here's COVID. So just having that ear to go and to listen, I think just really helps with mental wellness and Helps them get through it.
0: Well, and and I'll tell you this: LinkedIn and platforms like the LinkedIn are powerful places. And my challenge to LinkedIn would be be intentional about truly reaching out to help other people. When people reach out to me, Debbie, I I will, I'll have conversations with them. I'll connect with those that connect with me because you never know, because when i was going through that myself people that i didn't even know said hey so and so shared your post with me and i want to reach out and help you i think we have to do a really good job in 2021 and i'm holding myself accountable to doing more things to help other people and lift those people up that to your point may be walking through this valley for For three months, six months, nine months, a year, 18 months. I have a friend of mine that I met on LinkedIn. He walked through a a jobless drought for almost two years. And I was trying to encourage him and help him and strengthen him and, you know, just talk with him. And he finally got hired. And I'm like, oh my word. And I felt relief for him that 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 changed for him. I think we. I didn't mean to pontificate during your time telling your story, but I think we you, you hit on something there. We've got to do a better job as people, not only listening, because listening is great, listening is wonderful, but putting that action to listening and saying, hey, if I can write you a recommendation letter, if I can make a phone call on your behalf, I don't know what I can do, but I think we've got to do a little bit more. Am I off base there, Debbie? Am I am I am I kind of preaching to the choir or or how do you what in that rambling incoherence <laughs> that I just <laughs> did there? Is there something you can pick out from that that, that we I, can go with?
1: I think that you're exactly right. There are nights that I'm a where I can't come I'm scrolling through LinkedIn and I see all of these open to work posts and no one's liking them no one's supporting these individuals and all it really takes is a click of a mouse like hello like the person's post comment on it to to get better reach takes a few seconds yeah these people need to feel like they're supported I feel like so many of them are going through these job searches i've seen posts of people that just are so frustrated with the system they want to work they want to work so badly it's as simple as going and and getting a, a like a comment a share just to promote some visibility out there and get their name out there for them or make it make an introduction to someone within your network. I've taken phone calls from connections of mine just to try and help them brainstorm with uh, career strategies, fixing their resume if they have to go and they want to run through a mock interview. There are little things that you could go in that you could do that just helps so much. And why aren't we all trying to go and to do more?
0: Well, I think that's a great point. And, and, and as you're talking about that, I'm asking myself, how many times have I scrolled through someone's feed and I didn't stop and hit that like button or just comment and give them some intentional encouragement and say, hey, I just want you to know that everything's gonna be okay. I believe that that it will. If you need to reach out, connect with me, things like that. Or to your point, Debbie, you know, I could be available to do if somebody says, hey, Brian, Would you mind for 15 or 20 minutes doing some role play interviews with me so I can practice? I need to be more open to doing that and saying, sure, absolutely. You know, if we want to schedule some time where I can sit down and and try to help you, that would be great. Because again, I think what COVID has done, it's given us a little more margin in our days to be able to do that to help other people. And so I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. I think that is so important. And I want to take those things to heart that you said and and really try to help other people in that way. I I want to get to your incredible story because you have a powerful story. It's the reason that I wanted to have you on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Take me as far back as you want to take me from point A to where you got to and kind of tell me your story because and i say this on every podcast debbie is is and i say it in that way because there might be a time in somebody's life where um one of my guests was 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 abused was sexually abused at 8 years old and it it affected him the rest of his life and so go as far back as you want to go and tell your story of of your life and how you got to this point in it
1: I am a survivor of a severe car accident. I was in a car accident with my grandparents when I was five years old. My grandfather skidded on black ice and he hit a pole. My grandmother broke half the bones of her body and when she was taken to the emergency room, the concentration was to go and to keep her alive. I didn't know what to go and to tell, any of the doctors in the emergency room or the nurses there about whether I was okay or not. And years later, when I was in college, I was in lecture halls where I was taking notes and I was finding that there were gaps in my notes. My writing was on a diagonal. Eventually, after a while, I was being found at the bottom of flight stairs and I had to go through a lot of medical testing while I was in school. I was in hospitals almost every break that I had. Um, I found out that I had a concussion from that car accident. That was not found because there were no medical tests done on me, as well as I hadn't damage to a nerve that controls your breathing, your stomach function, your kidney function, and your blood
0: pressure. So none of those things corrected them. I mean, you're five at the time of the accident, and then you're in college, you're 18, 19 years old. So, you know, the body has a great way of healing itself. But in your case, your body never really got the chance to heal itself, did it?
1: No. These are things where there is no real medical cure or medical type of treatment. There are things that you learn to wake up with and adapt to. Um, I was told when I was in college to, to drop out of college and drop my major that I really didn't have any type of a future to go and to look forward to. And I refused to go and I refused to hear that. I pushed through, started out as a, a pre-med major and ended with an an, an accounting degree. Um, that I I'm, understand I'm really, how really, that works.
0: Of. I understand how that works. I started out as a journalism major in college, and ended up um, I ended up being a uh, marketing major because I didn't. I didn't want to write for the school newspaper, so I took. And I was dating a girl at the time in college that was a pre-med major, and then she goes, she takes organic chemistry and goes, "Nah, forget this. I'm going into nursing." <laughs> <laughs> so I totally understand that. So you're in college, and, and you're a- you're a Temple grad, correct? I yes. saw that on your-, your Temple grad. I'm a Marshall grad, so we our schools have have intermingled with each. I was wondering if you were a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Because I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and our team's just recently played to a robust 23-23 tie. So, you know, it is what it is. But you're, you're in college at Temple, and you start out being a pre-med major, and, and these, these medical issues start creeping up. Was there fear, or was it, I want to get to the bottom of this so I can go on with my life?
1: It was a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think it's hard when you're trying to go and you're trying to make a future for yourself and you don't know what's going to be happening tomorrow to really push through and keep yourself going. Mm -hmm. But I tell myself that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel um, and that the show's got to go on. You got to keep going and getting up every day, dressing up, getting up, and showing up to whatever it is, whether it was when I was in high school, whether I was in college, whether it was at a job, or just generally in life. Mm-hmm. We have no choice. The, the only alternative is to, to sit in a home and 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 sulk, and I don't believe in sulking. I I believe in going and and saying to myself, hey, I, I'm still here. I have a life. I want to live it. Whether that be taking off a day from a job search and 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 taking a run and just enjoying the outside, going <laughs> to the market and meeting mm-hmm. new people, being on the train and meeting new people, um, spending my day on LinkedIn, or actually going out and, and having fun and being with friends or being with family. Um, it, it doesn't matter. I, I really think what you're doing just as long as you're living your life with some purpose.
0: Well, and, and, and I've got to ask one more question about this. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this because you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, you would be sitting in class and there were gaps in your notes you were writing diagonally things were happening as a young adult in the prime of your life you you know you said you got up every morning which is which is admirable i think most people and i asked you about fear or moving past it what did you learn about that time when you first started walking through that what did you really learn about yourself that has carried you through this time because you're living with this injury you have no idea about. You remember the car accident? Because we talked about that just a minute ago. You remember the car accident? Mm-hmm. But now all these things are, are surfacing that that relate to that and it's affecting day-to-day life. How did you, how did you move through each day just trying to deal with what was happening inside your brain that you didn't know about? Oddly
1: enough, as I went through college, eventually 9-11 happened, and it was a huge wake-up call. Going and just seeing what happened in New York and seeing that so many families' lives were changed and so many people lost their life was a push for me to want to keep living mine. I, I... Every year that my birthday comes, I celebrate despite my health issues, um, because I'm still here, and there's still a tomorrow, and I, I think that that was just as bad as it was, it was a huge push for me to keep moving forward.
0: And so you you have conse- you, so you you get you move past that, you graduate with your accounting degree from Temple University. Then how does life happen? You mentioned 9-11. That is, a, I think, a watershed moment for all of us. I think when when and my wife and I were watching that just, just recently commemorating the the 19th anniversary, so hard to believe that was 19 years ago, and how different our world looks today than it did back then. I mean, mm-hmm. just the TV coverage, I'm like, oh my goodness, they didn't even have HD back then. The picture looks so grainy of all of everything happening. But take me now, take me to the next hurdle in your life that you had to deal with. You, you have this nerve damage in your, your, you have a damage to a nerve you didn't know about, a concussion you didn't know about. So what, what happens next? What's the next thing you have to deal with in, in life?
1: After 9-11, the the job market and the economy wasn't exactly so great in Philadelphia. It was hard to go and it was hard to get work. I accepted a role with the city, with the government, and I worked as an accountant. I eventually decided that I wanted to move into more of an audit type space. I took a job with the Office of the City Controller found out that my health was even worse than I thought and was told, hey, you're not going to go and you're not going to be much here because you have health issues. You can't get a certification. You're not going to go and you're not going to move forward in your career. And I think you need to go and you need to think about what you're going to go and what you're going to do next.
0: All because of things you couldn't control, all because of things that you were not aware that we're going on. man. I, I just, Debbie, I had to jump in there because I cannot believe the level of just outright insensitivity, lack of human decency, um, just sheer um, stupidity. I'm sorry. I'm going to call a spade a spade. <laughs> To, to say to another person, well, you probably need to find something else to do because your health issues are standing in the way. It's, it's not like you chose that path for yourself. It's like, yeah, I wanted to, to have all this stuff happen to me. I'm, I'm really thrilled that all this stuff was happening to my health. I just can't. I, I'm sitting here as you were saying that and I'm going, my word. I, I wanted to go back again, time machine. Would love to go back to find that person that said that to you and just shake them and go, "Are you that level of stupid?" I'm, I mean, it's just it dumbfounds me how people act and react toward others that are that are that have situations like yours. I didn't mean to jump in. I've been preaching and pontificating okay. <laughs> way too much during this podcast. <laughs> we are going shut up Brian let her tell her story. So so you, you you're dealing with this now. You're dealing with people at work going, "Yeah, you're not going to make it here because of things you can't control." How did you continue pushing forward to 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 getting past that negativity that was surrounding you? You brought up
1: action and reaction and I Decided to go, and I decided to take a huge risk. I asked to go, and I asked to be transferred to a fraud and investigation unit. And it was one of the best things that I went and I did in my life. I did it when I was at one of my lowest points. I wasn't just going through my health issues. I had just lost my grandfather. I was engaged. That got broken off. I lost one of my best friends. It was just a really, really tough year, but I used all of those things that I was going and I was going through to go and to push me to wanna be at my best. And that year I worked on a project where I helped to go and I helped to get a $6 million recovery for the government. Um, it, It was one of the most thrilling experiences I had in my life. I worked really long after. It wasn't always easy, but it was a way to go and to say to everyone who told me, you're not going to make it here, take that. I did it. And I did it without a certification. I did it without the experience that you have. I did it because... I've got the drive, I've got the motivation to be able to go and I've got to to be able to do it. And I I feel like that in the end was was a a really, it was a huge eye-opening experience. It's something that I go and that I take with me throughout my career every time that I feel like things are tough, I think about those years.
0: That is incredible because again, you're not just you're not just finding oh we we there is a a six hundred dollar oversight or six thousand or sixty six million dollars. It's like good grief. you know who dropped the ball here <laughs> that that I had to end up finding this this I would think debbie, you should have been celebrated. they should have given you a key to the city or something you know that's nothing to sneeze at. When you when you had this accomplishment, were you rewarded in kind? Did people come to you and say, hey, this is really good work. We appreciate it. What happened after that? Because you're doing something incredible in the midst of personal chaos. You mentioned your grandfather passing, the engagement breaking off, losing a, a dear friend and yet you're able to triumph in the midst of this. So how was it received from your peers, from your professional peers?
1: There's always going to be people who support you, right? I, I, I had a fraud director that was amazing. I have a plaque that he had made for my office. He, he said to me, when do you go and you make the, the paper for the first time in your career, because you have national like claim, because you had work that was referred to the FBI and the United States District Attorney, and, and you're making a difference. You deserve this. There, there were people like him, and then you have your, your naysayers that try and go and try and bring you right back down again. And I didn't let them do that. I, I just said to myself, hey, I did this once, and I'm gonna do it again in my career, and i did it was just in a different capacity
0: so take me to that time in your career where where you you had that success repeat itself how much different was it the the second I time i was at a
1: point where i needed to go and i needed to make oh i'm sorry
0: <laughs> no 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 i was just going to ask you how much different was it the the second time than the first time because you had that mindset of i'm going to do this again and you did, was it was it the same eufo- feeling of euphoria as the first time, or was it more like, this is what I do, and this is how I do it, and this is just another day at the office for me?
1: The second time that I went and that I really pushed through the face of adversity in my career, I was working in a building that had black mold in it and i was told that i either needed to go and to make some serious changes within my career or i was going to die there there really were no other choices to go and to make i i I had to go and i had to do something so when you go when you're told hey you you could lose your life because you're in dangerous work conditions it causes you to go and to make some decisions pretty quickly and in haste. And I made some that weren't the right decisions for me. Um, There were roles that just weren't the right fit, but that helps to go and to propel me to make a major career change. I decided I'm not going to go and I'm not going to work with numbers anymore. I want to work with people. And I propelled myself to work in to the, the recruiting industry. Um, I was told that I wasn't going to go and I wasn't going to make it within that industry as well. Um, I wasn't going to take that as an answer. Um, took a role on an RPO where I needed to go and I needed to help to place 37 candidates in a five-month period. And I slayed it.
0: Tell people what an RPO is for those that may not be aware of what an RPO is.
1: An RPO is recruitment process outsourcing. What that gotcha. is is an organization will go and will hire an outside firm to do bulk recruiting for them.
0: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. and 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 that's very common in in the corporate world because a lot of companies don't want to have a full uh, talent acquisition to. Department, and so they'll outsource that to to companies that that specialize in that. Debbie, I've got to ask you as well. To you have overcome. You mentioned a couple of them. You mentioned the the brain injury that you had when you were a kid, and the black mold. You have overcome some other health issues and personal issues like that. And I th- I think there are people walking through similar things. They faced tough adversity. If you don't mind me asking what else have you, have you gone through in your life from a health perspective? And what were some of the lessons that you learned from walking through those health scares?
1: I have a lot of invisible chronic conditions that you can't see if you go and, and you meet me. If you meet me, I look like your average everyday person going to a hangout with my friends. Um, but there are times that I get up where I feel horrible, and I learned from that that every time we go and we meet someone, you we we really we don't know what they're going and they're going through. I've had friends who have had cancer or rheumatoid arthritis or other types of conditions that are really tough to go into to live with. Um, and they felt like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm living with these things and I'm not supported by my employer. I'm not always supported by my family.
0: Um, and just let me jump in here. We had, me Let me jump in to here. To we-
1: really think about that every time I meet someone. Yep. And to try and be supportive of everyone's situation.
0: And Debbie, let me jump in here. We had a couple of technical issues that it's going to happen during a podcast. You're going to have some hiccups, but you, you said something really critical and I heard what you said, but let me just repeat it for the audience because you said something really important there. You said, on the surface, I'm, I'm normal looking. I'm like everybody else but there are things that you don't see under the surface. When when people meet you and they say, oh, you know, I didn't realize you've gone through this or I didn't realize you've gone through that. What's one of the things that that you say to them when they find out the crux of your story? What's one of those moments that you can share with them that really helps build that bridge between you and that other person?
1: I think so many of us get wrapped up in the simple things in life. We let little things go and, and bother us. We go, we'll get a haircut and we'll hate it. And you know, it'll ruin our day. Or we'll go and we'll go out to our car in the morning and it won't start. And we'll tell ourselves it's gonna ruin our day. There are things that, that, that could be fixed and there are things that can't be. And it, unless you are told that your terminal and, and your life is going to end tomorrow, I think it's important to just go and say to yourself that the, it's, it's just a bump in the road. Yeah. And it, it's something that you know that you could go and that you could get over versus letting all these little things bother you and keep you from seeing things in life that just could be major opportunities or just make it so that life is easier to go and to live versus being so stressed out.
0: Yeah. I, I've got to ask one question here because again, I, I think it is, it's powerful here, the things that you've dealt with and things like that. What is the greatest obstacle that you've overcome in your health and and again, give me the lesson you learned around it because I think so many people that go through things and they say well i didn't I never went through this until i until this happened, and then when this happened, here's what I learned from it. you've had a a lot of things that happened to you. And, and for me to pick out one and say, oh my gosh, that's the greatest obstacle. It would be totally unfair on, on the surface for me to, to say that. But for you in your own words, what's the greatest obstacle that you've overcome in the lesson you've learned from it?
1: I don't really feel like there's just one obstacle. I feel like there's several. I mean, medical tests medications that go and give you really bad side effects, waking up and not knowing how you're gonna feel from day to day, they all suck. They, they really do. But um, I, I think that, like I said, I, I, I need to go and I need to say to myself, I've got two options in life, okay? P- particularly with a career. I've got disability or I could go and I could still try and work. Um, and I, I wanna be working for as long as I could go and I can. Um, I fought to get where I am. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of that every day. Um, when I go through bad things in, in my life, like job loss or um, just finding out that I have another diagnosis, um, I say to myself, hey, okay, so these things are happening, but think about how far you've come despite all the other crap that you have gone through. I've come a really long way.
0: And you're a fighter, and you're a survivor, and you continue to do that. So my last question is this, and Debbie, thank you again for sharing your story. It's, it's, it's remarkable you're a remarkable person. I'm glad we connected. Share with this audience the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you have.
1: I think that the biggest piece of encouragement that I have is that there is always tomorrow. There really are people out there who want to go and want to help and support others. And I think it's important to just find them, find your people, and and also to just stick true to yourself. Um, be unique. I, I think it's standing out within a, an environment where so many of us are just put in a box. It's important being yourself is is important, and as long as you could go and you could do that, that's everything.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, and I love what you said there because I, when I was recruiting high school students years ago, I did, a, uh, I did a presentation in a high school in central West Virginia and I used that analogy. And I had one of the teachers get in a box and I said, okay, there's a couple things you can do here. You can use this as a covering and you can kind of retreat in your shell like a turtle and just never come out of it and box yourself in for the rest of your life. Or you can stick your head and feet out of it and just enjoy the moment and just be, you know, have everything be hunky dory and just go, you know what? Yeah, this may be where I am now, but it's not where I'm going to be forever. And so I love what you said there, Debbie. And again, I'm reminded from this conversation, I'm really, really glad that you brought it up is the importance of helping other people that are facing situations they've been displaced in their job, things like that. I appreciate how you have really reminded us today the power of empathy and just being a human with one with another. And so thank you for that. How can people connect with you? Where can they connect with you on your different social media platforms? They
1: can connect with me through my email. I, my email is D-A-B-U-B-I-S at C-A-V-T-E-L dot net. I also, I answer all of my messages on LinkedIn. Um, I love when I post something and I get engagement. So feel free to stop by my LinkedIn page and engage with my posts.
0: And I would definitely encourage you to do that. Intentionally, by the way, Debbie Bubis, <laughs> This has been great. I am so appreciative and grateful. And thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Had a couple little technical hiccups. You're going to have that from time to time, but we powered through very true to your story. We pushed through the technical hiccups and recorded this (laughs) podcast. And Debbie, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Brian.
0: My thanks, as always, to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Mead, and the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through His Word. And until next time, remember: everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.